Welcome to the CEO Only podcast produced by Association Forum and sponsored by Destination Cleveland. I am Michelle Mason, President and CEO of Association Forum. Today's guest is Christy Tarantino Dean. Christy is the CEO of the Institute of Food Technologists. She joined IFT in 2014. She has more than 20 years of association management experience. Prior to IFT, Christy led Association Forum. So, yes, she is one of my predecessors. Association Forum represents more than 46,000 association professionals, which gives her a really great lens into some of the challenges and successes uh, that associations face today. Prior to her role at Association Forum, she serves as the Executive Director of the Academy of General Dentistry, AGD. Prior to AGD, Christy was on staff at the Professional Convention Management Association, PCMA. Christy has a CAE, which she earned in 2002, and she's a fellow of the American Society of Association Executives. Welcome, Christy. Good morning. Thank you. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned in Christy's bio, she, from reading her bio, she's uh, has had great exposure throughout her career on some of the opportunities that associations face. So it's not a surprise that she's brought that lens to IFT. So we're going to have a conversation with Christy today about diversity and inclusion and some of the work that she's doing at IFT. And I must say it is groundbreaking work. I'm really excited for us to learn how she got started with bringing this important business opportunity to the organization. As we know, the U.S. and the world is becoming increasingly diverse. Uh, we are not only talking about diversity these days, but we're also talking about inclusion. And we so often think of the words as being the same, but they're very different. Based on the work that IFT is conducting, they are making a clear distinction between the two and also setting a path to help its membership become more inclusive. And within that inclusivity, there's great diversity. So, Chrissy, let's start with um, how did you get started with this? I mean, it, many of the CEOs that I have conversations with say that they just don't know how to get started. They do not know how to start the conversation with their board, their leadership. You want to share some insights with us? Sure. I think it's all about timing. Um, but I would start by saying that my experience at Association Forum really um, – structured how I viewed diversity and inclusion and having been a part of um, association forums um, multi-year path in terms of diversity and inclusion with the scholars starting out during Gary LaBranche's tenure really framed how I thought about it and how it was forefront in my mind and when I joined IFT five years ago we were early in our um, board nominations process, right when I joined. And so at that moment, I saw that we weren't looking at that process with the lens of diversity and inclusion. And so I started the conversation there with that group of um, committee members, and it, and it progressed over, over the next two to three years. And, and then, you know, it's all about who you can have as a champion and about two years ago, I was attending the ASA CEO Symposium with my incoming president, who I knew was passionate around this issue, and 
we were in one of those small group talks um, that I think is what is so valuable about the CEO symposium. And we started talking about this and I felt, I said that I felt like we had a real opportunity to move forward and my incoming president um, really believed strongly that we did. And so out of that conversation, um, and I knew she would be a champion, we went to the board and suggested we form a task force and then the real work started from there. Great. So as you um, had this conversation with the board, how did you lay out your vision or the vision that you and your um, president had for starting the strategic, a strategic priority around diversity and inclusion? Sure. Well, I think, you know, we, we have a, an international membership where 20,000, or excuse me, 20% of our members are um, from outside of the U.S., but even, even uh, within our student association base, you see a real diversity in students who are coming to the United States to study food science. And so we were able to talk about how the classes, the undergraduate classes in food science look very different um, from the more senior leadership and volunteer positions with I, within IFT. Secondarily, we have member elections for our board, and it is very difficult for international candidates to be elected um, to the IFT board because they're not as well known uh, as some of those um, American members who have had the opportunity to serve on committees and task forces and, and other areas in the association. And so we had some data and we had some working knowledge um, in looking at how our systems um, were shaking out who could be in leadership within IFT. And I think we had already been talking about how we built a better leader pipeline. We also had already um, done a lot of training for our board. And so our board was understanding of this concept that we needed to bring more voices in. And so I think that that groundwork had been laid over a number of years. And so the um, proposal to form a task force to look um, at IFT a little bit harder across all aspects of the organization, not just at the board, but through committees and task forces and our divisions, which are shared interest groups, and really see how we can make sure that we continue to grow and diversify as an organization. I think because of all the subtle work that had been done and intentional work that had been done up to that point, it was actually a very easy conversation. There was zero pushback. There was agreement to hire a consultant to help us do that. And so I feel really fortunate because the IFT community of scientists is always looking at how do you improve a process? How do you improve a product? Um, so this type of conversation is not typically a very difficult one with our board. So I'm really grateful to work for, for professionals who this is their life and their career, making things better. So that helps quite a bit. Oh, great. Uh, Chrissy, how, how did you decide who should be involved? When you looked across your membership, having such an international membership base, how did you decide who should be involved on, on, on your task force? So we, we looked at all of our different stakeholder groups, whether that be um, through our divisions, our sections, which are what we call our chapters, 
past leaders, uh, et cetera. And so we as staff started putting together a list and, you know, where people might check um, two buckets. So we had a young woman who was a young professional, an academic member living in Germany and had served on one of our division leadership teams um, as a great example. We had some members, people of color, who had been members for a long time but had not necessarily risen through the ranks of volunteer leadership. Um, and some folks that we knew were well-respected within the communities, longtime volunteers, longtime members. And so, as you know, anytime you put together a group, you're trying to think strategically about you know, who might challenge the process so that whatever the outcome is at the end, you, um, those members who might be a little bit leery will know, oh, well, um, Joe Smith was in that task force right. and he's well-respected in the field. So he we know he must have asked the hard questions. So we're very, very thoughtful about that. Yeah, that's a good point um, because we do know that um, including different ideologies is a part of the whole diversity and inclusion process. That's, that was the, our great. Yeah. yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And I think that, um, too, having the right facilitator for the process, so it wasn't staff-driven, it wasn't leadership-driven, is also really important. Great. So you kicked off your initiative um, in November 2016, uh, working with uh, the IV group. And so as you started this process and laid the groundwork, um, how did you, in one of the first um, areas of uh, more deliverables, I'm assuming, was, a, was an assessment, and so, and so therefore a tool had to be developed. How did you identify the categories to include? You know, we worked, we, we relied a lot on the IV expertise. Um, they had done this work with ASAE. We, we interviewed a few firms, um, but we relied a lot on Ivy because while I had my experience at Association Forum, most of us and most of the members of our task force had never done this kind of work. And so we um, provided a lot of um, structure and systems information to the IB group, and then they started to develop um, the survey questionnaire that we did, and then we moved into focus groups following that uh, later on. But and we worked with our task force um, to ensure that they didn't feel like anything was missing in terms of the information that we needed to collect. So it was definitely a partnership with the IB group and the task force and staff. Great. So, Kristen, when we when we look at uh, where you are now in your journey, you have some some you have a summary of uh, key findings and recommendations. Can you uh, just help um, our audience understand how you are integrating those key findings throughout IFT? Sure. So, one of the to me most notable findings was that our systems prevent us from being the most inclusive organization that we can be. I think I um, knew that, but it was actually reaffirming to see that our, uh, that our focus groups and our data showed that to be true, because I think if you don't change your systems, so how, what are the criteria for your awards? What is the criteria 
for board service? What are the criteria for selecting leaders within our divisions, our sections, which we have a little less control of in terms of our sections or chapters? But that was the most important finding, um, I would say. And then the other is, is that we didn't have good data. So we had not collected um, or made it required um, data around um, race or ethnicity as a baseline, but we certainly weren't cre uh, collecting data around orientation. And so we picked, uh, and then there's a lot of things that have to go um, forward from there. And so one of the task force recommendations was that we hire a, a staff person to help manage this process and lead this process moving forward. So that was step one. And then this year, uh, moving into next year, we're starting the work around systems and around data collection. And so with all of the new um, scrutiny of how you keep and store data, thanks to our friends in the European Union and the uh, GDPR regulations, we've had to work closely with legal counsel to word how we're going to um, ask to collect more sensitive information, and then on the IT side, ensure that we can protect that data. Uh, and we've worked through some fairly technical um, modifications to allow us to do that. Um, but part of that is how we communicate going forward. So we've um, we're doing we've done training for our staff. We're going to put out a communications um, plan in order to start to actually tell our members why we're asking for this type of data. And then simultaneously, we're uh, as we speak, um, hopefully today we'll be finalizing our task force to look at all of our systems. So again, employing member input. Um, to ensure that it's not just a staff-driven or a consultant-driven project, but we're now going to be looking at all of our awards, all of our scholarships, our processes for boards and committees and, and those kinds of things. So we're looking at this very much as a marathon, not a sprint, and really building the foundation um, so that as we move forward, we can move into things about do we have resource groups for various underrepresented groups within IFT. What do we do to make our meeting um, and our session selection of speakers and how they present more, um, more welcoming in terms of an environment that we offer learning in and those kinds of things. So it's, uh, it, it's I may not have gone about that in the most um, logical and structural way that may make sense, but we've really laid out each of these pillars and now we're going to work those and and not get too far ahead of ourselves. This is exciting work, and I think it's important to say, okay, we need to take this one step at a time. We're an 80-plus-year-old organization, and we want to ensure that we bring people along and that we know there will be some people who won't like, most likely, the outcomes of this systems task force, but they won't be surprised by it because we're going to be talking about it and talking about how we build a sustainable organization for the future that is more inclusive. Great, that's a really great framework for our audience to, to learn from. I mean, I'm sure a question that many might have considering the size of your organization and the international nature um, is how are your, well, twofold question, Christy, how are your um, sections and uh, chapters and technical groups responding? And also how's the staff responding? Sure. So. 
We, we actually um, rolled this out last year in terms of some initial training. Um, we have the opportunity during our annual event to bring all of the leaders of our various groups together. And we had the Ivy group do some training last July. And so just to get them thinking about it, I would say the, the hard part haven't happened yet. Um, staff is supporting and thinking already, you know, questioning how leadership groups are put together. Um, the challenge is, is that there are processes that have been in place for 30, 40, 50 years around our divisions and how leaders, up, you know, get tapped on the shoulder. And many times it's who's willing to do the work. And in some cases, there hasn't been the right staff support to encourage and train those leaders to think, well, we can't have the same person or the same five people rotating through these chairs year in and year out. We've got to open it up and, and move along. And in some cases, it might be they, they didn't know how to find someone else to come forward. And in others, you know, these were folks who started this division around, um, you know, a particular area of science and, and they're very passionate about it. And so it's, you know, from the staff perspective, we've had to see how we can help encourage and identify potential leaders that are different from who might be in the inner circle of those that are in current leadership. So we've been gradually starting those conversations and um, trying to help them think about it. I think the harder challenge will be our, our sections, which are our chapters. Um, you know, they are volunteers trying to run a local organization in most cases just with volunteers. And so, you know, we've been building support services for them, but it will be harder because they're just trying to get find people who are willing to do the job on top of the, the paying job that they already have. Um, and so we recognize that. And so we're going to try to start small and, and just provide them with the tools and the training to help them think about it. Um, and I see this as, you know, a multi-year plan that hopefully five years from now, we'll see much, you know, better representation across a, um, a number of areas within leadership and IFT. From the staff perspective, I would say it's um, wholly embraced. We've done training for staff. Um, I think the biggest challenge has been getting staff to say, okay, we can't, we can't do everything in year one and to be thoughtful about the impact these things will have and these changes will have in the membership and, and pacing ourselves because we do want it to be successful. We don't want to hit people over the head with this. Um, and we don't want them to feel like because they've gotten into the leadership, you know, in the more traditional way that that means they weren't good leaders. It's an evolution. And so I would, I'm really pleased with how all of the IFT staff have embraced um, this thoughtfully in terms of the areas that they work in and how they might make some small or some big changes um, down the road. So it's been fun to watch for sure. Oh, great. That sounds, that sounds like uh, you've made a lot of progress, particularly as a cultural thing. And so I, I understand what it's like to um, have to prioritize, right? You can't do everything uh, all at once. So how are you prioritizing and managing expectations around um, the diversity and inclusion um, priority? 
Yeah, that's the hard one because you you don't want to seem by saying no that you're not supportive of the initiative. Um, and right. I think it could be interpreted that way, right? And so mm-hmm. we're trying to stick to the plan. Um, and we identified we're very goal driven and um, starting to be better about creating one, two, and three year goals. Um, you know, to work towards whatever that end um, point is. And so going back to, okay, what did we say we were going to accomplish in year one? Um, We're accomplishing that. And then let's start looking towards year two, year three. And so sticking to that plan. Now that may mean there's an opportunity here or there to take advantage of, um, but major initiatives, we have to get the data until we know really who our members represent you know, some of these other strategies aren't going to be well informed. And so, um, you know, being that person who's saying, okay, no, we agreed this year, we're going to do these three things. We're going to form a task force. We're going to collect the data. We're going to, and then parallel, um, do some things internally with our own staff in terms of training, looking at how we source for internal um, staffing positions, you know, and run those two parallel paths internal and external but stick to the plan and then and it is hard because you want to just really show and convince everyone you're serious about this uh, which we are but we can't do it all at once um, yeah that's that's true can't do <laughs> Rome was not built in a day um, so as we, as we think about your plan Chrissy uh, do you have any metrics that you'll start looking at or or, or focus stay focused on throughout this journey yeah, so I think the hardest part is getting that data. Um, so we don't even really know where we are. Um, we know that we try when we're making appointments um, to our committees and things through our volunteers. We try to be um, as you know thoughtful in terms of the diversity, but a great example, um, one of our big committees, important committees, you know, a lot of our members, as I said early on, are, um, if they're, they may have been born outside of the U.S. and they're educated. And so many times you don't know, um, because our data was, was not thoughtful in this way. We didn't have whether they were male or female as a great example. So you put this list together, you think you're doing such a great job with the diversity. And then you walk into the room and you realize you've got six women and 15 men. Um, Now, they may be diverse in terms of where they were born and things, but you kind of miss the mark on um, the male-female ratio. So we don't even know. Um, So this data collection is really important. And then we'll start to set our target. You know, how many um, people of color, how many um, non- um, you know, straight individuals do we have? What do our speakers look like at our annual event? You know, all of those things, but we have to at least determine where we are right now before we can start to set the metrics moving forward. Um, That's external. Internal, we're looking at, okay, where are we posting jobs? Are we, you know, starting to measure those candidates? We've collected data on our own staff to know where we are, and then how can we move that needle um, forward in the future in terms of hiring and the practices to ensure that we're getting different candidates than we might traditionally get. Great. 
Christy mentioned that you hired a new position, staff diversity officer. Uh, does that role report direct to you? And, and how is that person uh, acclimating or, or working through the whole change management process in the organization? Sure, yes. She does report directly to me, and I thought that was really important message to send. Um, it's not easy to add, you know, a, a new direct report necessarily, but uh, I thought that it was really important that, that she report directly to me. I would say she's acclimating well. I would say, though, that it is how she was not in the association space. She was in, um, worked for the National Y. Um, MCA, but organization, which is different, and it's similar but different, and I think really um, getting to understand the culture of our organization has been really important, and and she's a great listener. I think that, you know, associations are funny places, and when you have all of these different stakeholders who are important and learning who those people are and how to interact with those, I think, is is um, really, really important because if you alienate the the folks that have given, in our case, we have some, you know, that have been members for 60 plus years because they started as students, you know, then that creates a distraction from what you're really trying to do. So we want to ensure that they feel part of the process, that they understand what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. And I would say that she's done really well um, and jumped right in to talking to members and 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 spending time with people. And, and next she's going to be getting out and visiting some of our chapters and so that people start to know her, know her intent and understand the role that she brings to the organization. And so that's a journey as well, but we're excited to have someone who can help us through this and, and ask us hard questions as we move through our decision-making process as well. Yeah, I, I agree that that role is so critical to the organization, uh, especially with the journey that you're on and the investments that you've made and the intention that you have behind it, because ultimately your goal is to be a recognized leader in this area and um, to successfully achieve your, your vision and your mission. So that's, I mean, that's that's critical. In, in the last, I have two, two final questions. <laughs> so thank you so much for your, your time and, and, and just your thoughtfulness about, uh, about this topic and, and, and your support and passion for it. Um, one question, um, how often do you uh, provide your board with updates and how engaged is, is your board? Yeah, so we, we have um, a monthly CEO report that goes out and um, we structure it around our organizational goals for the year and of which we have I think two maybe three around diversity and inclusion so every month they're seeing updates in terms of what is going on with the program um, in our board meeting in face-to-face -face in November um, Nancy who's our director of diversity and inclusion gave an update um, and there will be an update in March and so I would say we're communicating it quite frequently. Um, they, we've invested reserve funds in this initiative, both last year, coming up in this next year. And I think with the task force work that we've just um, sent out invitations to present or to participate in around our systems, they'll be getting lots of updates because these are going to be 
um, the more difficult conversations, I think, even than those that we've had thus far, because this will mean thinking differently around award criteria um, and things that are very near and dear and sacred in the organization. So they'll be getting lots of updates um, moving forward. And, and I think it's a big it's a big investment on the part of the organization. So we want to ensure they understand that we are progressing in terms of that investment. Great. Well, thank you, Christy. Last question. What advice would you have for um, a CEO or someone who's considering this journey? If you had one thing to share with them, what would you say? I would say find the right opportunity um, and know when the timing is right and take advantage of it. Uh, I think that, you know, each leader brings a different um, perspective. And I think knowing when the, the time is right in the organization for something like this in particular is really important. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we started it before things really blew up around me too and others, but you know, that is heightens the, the awareness. And if there's an opportunity in, in your organization to really say, this may be a small thing, but let's look at it in the terms of bigger picture for our organization and how we can grow and be um, inclusive for the future to ensure that we're, we're relevant. And I think that's, what's really, really important. This is not just, someone's pet project. This was taking advantage of a window of opportunity to really lead it and drive it um, to get it started in the organization so that it just becomes part of our culture moving forward. Wonderful. Well, you know, Chrissy, thank you so much for your time today. Um, you're right. It is about timing and it's not a journey. I mean, it's not a sprint, excuse me. It is a journey. And I, uh, I appreciate um uh, the groundwork that you laid here at Association Forum for us to take our efforts to the next level. And um, it is all connected and we're all working together towards the same outcome and that's to have a more inclusive community. So we appreciate um, your work here and we appreciate the work that you're doing at IFT. So ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our conversation today with Christy Tarantino-Dean, the CEO of the Institute of Food Technologists. We thank her for her insights and the leadership, the groundbreaking leadership that she is uh, delivering in our community on the topic of diversity and inclusion. Christy, if uh, someone wanted to contact you to just drill deeper into um, what you're doing at IFT, what would be the best way to reach you? You can reach me via email, um, ctarantino at ift.org. That's ctarantino at ift.org. Wonderful. I look forward to that conversation. Can I learn from each other, as you know? Yes, we all learn from each other. <laughs> You're right. It's a very important um, distinction. It is a conversation because it's not one size fits all for uh, organizations, and we have to be mindful of that. Well, thank you to Destination Cleveland, our sponsors today, and ladies and gentlemen, until next time. <laughs>